Day eight of training camp is getting started right now. Brian, John, who are you most impressed with since the pads have gone on Tuesday? What'd you say? Who are you most impressed with since the pads have gone on? Probably Walker Little and the way that he's played in one-on-one matchups. Yeah, I would have gone with Walker, but Brian took it. So uh, I'll go so far with a hesitant understanding and needs to show more. Uh, Caleb on Chase on has looked awfully good at times. Welcome into Jags AM. It's August 3rd, and we are on day eight of training camp. Here's a live look. They're getting out there, getting stretching, getting going, and we've got you covered with all of your Jags AM news that you need today. Now, we did mention pads went on on Tuesday, so things have been a little bit different this week, and not necessarily players you've been seeing, but it's a different vibe now, right? It feels like it's officially started. I think that's true. I think you got guys that understand that now they're expected to perform. Not that they weren't before, but the evaluation takes on a different level here. And, John, we'll start talking about it in another week or two. The reps start becoming more and more precious for the guys who are on the bottom of the roster because they become fewer and fewer as we get closer to the start of the season. Yeah, no doubt. And I thought, I think everybody who watched it thought that yesterday's uh, practice was, was a little sloppy. Uh, but uh, Ryan O'Halloran from the Buffalo News, who used to be here with the, the Florida Times Union, kind of came to me afterward and laughed. He said, how many times have we seen it? where the second day in pads is sloppy always. because it's always, uh, you know, they're getting used to it again. They've had that one day, you're a little draggy. So I, I expect today to be much better, Kai. All right, our big thing, number one, obviously that the pads are on now. Uh, head coach Doug Peterson talked to us yesterday, talked to the media, and he talked about at this point in uh, the training camp, he likes to just get that physicality out there and kind of set the tone and see what this team will be going forward. This camp progresses right you want to establish an identity you want to you want to have some sort of physicality about you with the pass rush and and so yesterday it was a, it was just trying to do that trying to establish that physicality trying to establish um you know that sort of that persona of, of who who can we be i thought that sound bite yesterday said everything about how the league has changed right when doug was a player in the 90s there wasn't some sort of physicality that you were trying to establish. That was what training camp was. I mean, far be it from me to sound like the old man in the room, but uh, they used to practice twice a day in full pads. Tom McManus was out there going, "This imagine if, if you only had one a day and how well you'd perform. But the reality of it is, is that it was all about physicality. That's what the football game is about, physicality. Um, and it tells you exactly how a coach has to navigate training camp with limited hitting to protect his salary cap and his team going forward. It, it, it to, to me, I just, that was everything. Well, I am the old man in the room, so I'll say it. it, it, it it's not close to the same. And training camp really, it, if anybody went to training camp from, from, I started coming league in 95, from 95 to 2010, they would not call what happens now training camp. No. Because you go to practice in the morning and then you're off the field especially with the media. I mean, we're at one practice and we don't see anything else uh, for the rest of the day. And it used to be two days. It's a completely different thing. So it, it's it's a bunch of practices uh, strung together. But now that, I'm, now that you're off my lawn, Kai, That's um, it, it, the interesting thing about what Doug said is how 
much coaches have to have a plan now for how to get your team physical because there's acknowledgement around the league you cannot hit i i expect him to hit hard uh, meaning to have players hitting hard maybe twice sometime in the in the next eight practices but you cannot do that every day anymore and expect to survive and get your team to so you have to plan it out and be very careful of how you're going to be a physical team. Much different, as you say, Brian, than it used to be. Well, and it kind of ties into Mike Caldwell from the day before. The defensive coordinator was asked repeatedly about a tackling plan and how do you practice tackling. You didn't even think about it back then. You just did it. That was part of the day. You were in full pads twice a day, and so tackling wasn't even part of it. It, you really have to think it out, and and for all the right reasons. I mean, player safety has become a huge issue. Uh, you're in the hottest part of the year down here, and you can't afford to replace guys in the salary cap era like you could before. So you got to be smart. It's just a completely different approach. Would you rather be a great tackling team, Kai, or have Calvin Ridley and Josh Allen to start week one? It's a fine line to walk. You want yeah. to protect your players, the talent that they have out there. You want to have them when the season starts. Uh, the old school coaches, I want both. Why can't I have both? Uh, uh, because – now, if you do that, you're going to get your butt fired at the end of the season for losing players yeah. and being dumb. And Doug is not dumb. He's right. very smart. So it's a fine line to walk, and he's doing a great job of it. Do you want to talk? Uh, big thing number two is year two, right? So for everybody in the coaching staff and a lot of these players dealing with their system for the second year round, Josh Allen spoke to us on the first day of pads, and he said he's liking what he's seeing so far in terms of the game plan and kind of how they're going to go about the pass rush differently this season. Uh, there's a lot of new calls that I really like. You know, I want to see them every week because uh, I think they'll really work for us. But in order to do that, we have to be successful out here running them. So, you know, that's how really the new calls, the new plays that benefits us. Let's let's take it up a little notch. Brian, what do you take out of what he's saying in terms of how they're going to try to rush a little bit earlier? I mean, we put so much focus on the pass rush. Is that well, is it simple as that? Is well, it just trying to rush earlier in the downs? It's mixing things up a little bit. Uh, remember, Mike was his. It was the first year defensive coordinator. You know, he had been a linebacker and a linebackers coach for a long time. But when you're actually having to make the calls and to adjust, and I think that was the interesting part. We talked about Mike Caldwell's lack of adjustments at time last year, and he basically said after the season and before practice the other day that that's just part of the learning curve for him to be able to know what his players do well, and where he can make adjustments, he feels much more comfortable in year two, and so his players do. And now he knows what Josh Allen likes to do, wants to do, capable of doing. Will he feel comfortable rushing the passer on first down, really going after him? We'll see. I it, mean, that's, that's a quarterback, not a quarterback. It's hard to know what they're saying in terms of how it's going to translate to always say on the field because they're not going to give away what they're doing, uh, nor should they. I thought the most interesting thing about what Mike Caldwell said about this was how he uh, he felt like at times last year that, I don't want to say micromanage, but tried to make the perfect call every time. And it certainly sounded to me like there'll be more instances of just letting the players play and trust that it, if you get them in uh, – the right defense, generally speaking, more often that there's talent out there to make the plays and that you don't necessarily – remember, he came from a Todd Bowles right. uh, system where Todd had had infinite experience and it, and is very detailed and, it, and is bringing something new and unique every time. Well, I expect him to keep doing that, but it certainly sounded to me like he's backing off that a little bit and saying 
Keep it simple. Go play football. So think also about all the guys who are together, right? So you had Foye Aluakon, who was new last year, lining up next to two young players in Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd, and you had a young Trayvon Walker, and you had Foy, uh, Foley Fatukasi in the middle, and you Andre Sisco had moved into the starting lineup. Everything was new, and they didn't know. So new coordinator, new players, new scheme. Trying to be complex. Uh, absolutely. So. so this year that should all change. So I think what Josh is really stating is the obvious is, hey, we're ready to take that next step and to be a better football team. Now we've got the communication down, and we understand what the guy next to us is capable of doing, and we trust him to do his job so that we can do ours. You're hoping it frees up a little more creativity, obviously, adjustments, and maybe we'll see something a little bit different. Obviously, what will. they did, you know, wasn't quite working for them. So hopefully this year we'll see something a little bit. I sure. think you will, because Todd Bowles is super aggressive, and, um, and I think Mike Caldwell will now feel comfortable with what he's got. All right, let's hope so. Our last big thing of the day is not yet. We don't have a soundbite about it necessarily, but it's that, you know, he gets so hyped about training camp coming up. And then we talked a little bit about it already, but yesterday was kind of a dud. It wasn't a great practice, right? And it was that first, uh, well, second practice, the first practice after the first padded practice. And he kind of saw a little bit of a letdown. And I think it's important for us to remind people that as excited as we are for football to come back, this is a grind. It's training camp, right? We've talked about they're going to have those you know, three, four hard practices right in a row coming up with us in stadium scrimmage on Saturday. And it's just kind of tempering some expectations a little bit, not to like get anybody less hype, but just be like, yeah, they're gonna have an off day. Well, today is a big day to see, you know, if they can get back on track, maybe. Well, we're still five weeks away from the regular season. So <laughs> um, I'll clarify something I said earlier. I thought it was a sloppy practice, but I didn't think it lacked intensity. Um, I the thought effort it, was certainly there, yes. It I thought just... it looked sloppy to us because there were a lot of balls on the ground that hadn't been on the ground yet. But, Brian, you wrote about it and I did too. The one-on-one coverage drill was as intense as I've seen a drill this practice. Yeah. I mean, uh, this training camp. And I was struck in trying to write it later, I was struck by how to sort of phrase it of, I didn't think they were necessarily not improving just because passes were being dropped. There was really hard work between the corners covering these guys, between guys getting open. So I thought, I'll bet if you asked Doug, he would say, oh, it was a fine practice. Yeah. The defense had a better This day. team is not going to drop passes. I mean, Calvin Ridley, I think, had four drops. Well, his history shows us that that's not going to be his norm. So I don't worry about that. Um, I I don't think they lost any ground. I don't think you lose ground in one just day. Just part of the day. But it, just part of the I process. I think you will see efficiency pick back up as guys get more used to being in pass. I just want to point this out. The first rep between Calvin Ridley and Tyson Campbell, it, it was a nasty little move that uh, Calvin used to get open. And it turned Tyson around, and Tyson was really hot with himself. Before the second – and by the way, Calvin dropped the ball. Yeah. The second rep – Deshae Townsend comes over and grabs Tyson, like, you know, like I wrote, like, like a boxer and his manager in the ring. And across the field, here comes Trevor Lawrence to do the exact same thing with Calvin Ridley. I mean, there was such a competitiveness to it. And the thing that I loved, which I thought was really good at practice, was every other defensive back watched that, wanted to be Tyson. They wanted their matchup, no matter who they were lined up against with, right? to be as intense as that. It sets a tempo and expectation level for how the defensive backs are going to play. I thought it was an important moment. Absolutely. And to see one-on-one, -on -one, the best of the best going against each other, how could you not like yeah. 
improve from that and enjoy watching it as well. It's really good. So hopefully the team takes a lot out of that. Coming up, practice is underway today. We're going to keep an eye on things, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the lesser talked about players that are trying to make this 53-man roster. Welcome back to Jagzam. We're sponsored by Suddeth, this Florida's most trusted and reliable moving company. Suddeth is proud to be the official moving partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. To get a guaranteed quote, visit suddeth.com slash jacks. All right, we're going to talk about the 53, because obviously everyone in training camp wants to make that final roster. And there are some names that we don't talk about a ton, or maybe just people that are doing really well in training camp that um, you didn't necessarily have your eye on. So... Brian, who did you want to talk about today that you've either seen out there or needs to have a really good training camp? A guy that I've seen every day, uh, a young man named Devad Wilson, who is a UCF undrafted rookie free agent, a cornerback. He started at Georgia and then transferred to UCF. He's a big guy, so he's got length. He's six foot, he's 190 pounds, long arms and big hands. So he made plays yesterday, made three pass deflections on Wednesday against first and second team receivers he was more than holding his own both sides of the field middle of the field he was flopping he was inside he showed me a a depth of ability and I was really impressed with the kid and then start talking about special teams because a guy like this if he's gonna have any shot at the 53 it's gonna have to be a contributor on special teams same thing he can do a lot of different things gunner lineup inside on coverage teams He's an interesting talent. I'm looking forward to the chance to actually talk to the kid and, and figure out if he's got the the mental makeup for this game. But it sure looks like he's a player who's going to be challenging at the bottom of the roster for one of those spots. Talented kid. In John, what's looking like a deep group of young defensive backs. I know you're not going to mention him, so I will. Mm -hmm. Eric Hamlet, the, uh, the safety from Pitt. Sixth or seventh round pick, I forget. There were so many of them. Uh, he broke up a couple passes mm -hmm. yesterday and looked like a guy who was, you know, starting to get his legs underneath him. So as I watched, you know, Hamlet and Wilson in particular, I said, there is a group of young defensive backs, and that's important. We said this was a storyline yep. for training camp, and an important one. It looks pretty good right now. It's deep. Uh, I think you still want them to rise and see somebody who will prove it. On the field. That they can do it. Um, is that maybe your guy, John? Well, uh, probably not in the sense that Brian's talking about. I went with Antonio Johnson, and people say, well, I've heard of Antonio Johnson. He's had a couple of really good days. But remember, it's all about me. And <laughs> it is. And my, now that you're saying it's real. Did I not tell well, you that before we started the show? It's all about John. My approach, though, and anybody who ever listens to me or, or bothers to read me, when I, I, I expect nothing from rookies, uh, including first-round rookies. I just don't <laughs> typically... They need a year to be the impact guy, you think. And so I don't pay much attention to him in camp except to say, okay, well, he's going to be around. Antonio Johnson might be an exception, and I know everybody's excited about him. He, he slid in the draft. Usually those guys who slide in the draft don't quite work out because you've heard of them, but there's a reason they don't get drafted, right? Well, all of a sudden you start watching him in practice and he makes a play every day. Every day. Um, We talked this morning, special teams, he clearly is excelling in that area. That's how you uh, make the team sometimes at the end of a roster. Yeah, he'll make the team, but 
he, it sounds like he's going to be a special team star. He's going to have a role. I don't know that he's going to be the nickel guy that everybody wants him to be this year. Fans talk ask me all the time, is he going to be the nickel? And talking to Jeff Logan on the field yesterday, we were talking about different guys, and he said, you know, just don't quite see him being able to cover in that nickel spot the way you have to. But as a future safety, oh yeah, um, all of a sudden— And the future could be late this year. Yeah, all of a sudden you've got another guy who you believe can be a really good position player for you to build as you go forward and to help uh, salary cap. He's everything that you think you want in a, in a developmental guy. Um, news flash, I'm excited about a rookie. Hey, Kai, I made I made uh, a camp observation about him earlier this week. Mm-hmm. He was covering in one-on-ones Jamal Agnew. That's tough for a rookie. Uh, but he stayed close enough that when C.J. Beathard just tried to drop the ball high and into his hands in the end zone, that he went up and high-pointed the ball and got it away. It was a tremendous athletic play. And I wrote that day, this kid's going to have a future, and the future could be this year. I really think that he's going to work his way into Mike Caldwell's scheme somehow, some way. There's no no doubt you have your eyes on a rookie and are interested in him because he's making you be that. Yeah, not a matter of when, but how quickly with him it really feels like from what we've seen so far, at least. Uh, the person I picked is not a young player. In fact, it's Foley Fatukasi, who came here on that three-year deal, paid him a bit of money, underperformed last year, I think, fair to say, a little bit. He had a bit. calf injury that I think lingered. Yeah, he definitely, you know, was lingered, was hurt by that, and then also a new system as well. Everybody was dealing with, you know, he's a new player to the team, but... Doug doesn't name check a ton of people, and he's brought him up at least two or three separate times since camp has begun about being impressed with his effort out there, what he's been able to do. And if your head coach is is seeing you with all that's going on and and saying how much he's expecting out of you in the second year in a system, I think there's a little bit of pressure on him, but he's he's coming, he's rising up to that from what we've seen so far. John, what do you think? Well, if he's good, Brian and Kai, um, then all of a sudden – you're really good on the interior of the defense without needing to help in the interior. Yep. Devon Hamilton, Foyer, Fadakasi, all of a sudden you've got three guys where you're not trying to pinch down, you're not trying to always help there. That should help what everybody's concerned about, which is the pass rush. And then all of a sudden you're really good against the run, which usually teams that are good against the run get better against the pass rush because they're in better pass rushing situations. So... He's really important. I admit I was one of those people last year that maybe had written him off a little bit as, okay, he's going to be okay, but not going to be an impact guy because he didn't really see it last year. If he's that, then all of a sudden this defense gets better fast. You saw it early in the preseason opener against Cleveland. First series, Roy Robertson-Harris, Devon Hamilton, and Foley Fatukasi dominated. Remember, that's a powerful running game in Cleveland, even if they didn't have their stars in there. Those three guys dominated. And Foley left that game with a, a, a calf injury, didn't play again in the preseason, was questionable for most of the month of September, every single you know Wednesday injury report. And then he started to get into the flow in October. I'm not making excuses for him. I think he's got a lot of ability. And if he stays healthy, I think we'll have a chance to see what John just talked about. Well, sometimes guy, you know, sometimes teams, in a sense, do a player a disservice. And I'm not saying it. it it's malicious or that shouldn't be done. But when you don't talk about injuries, which football teams hate to do, they do. Then all of a sudden fans and even media think, well, this guy is not playing very well. I think Brandon Sheriff fell victim to this last year as well. Um, 
I think both of those guys, Sheriff and Fadakasi, could, you know, quote, surprise Jaguars followers this year by being really good because I, I think both of them played through things last year that really held them back. All right, we'll have to remain to be seen, but he could be a linchpin if he can get that together. It could help the rest of the defense come together as well. All right, stay with us. Coming up, John's going to answer some of our questions with the Ozone Mailbag, and we'll be right here in the Hyundai Studios when you come back. Today's edition of Jags AM is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. You can step up to luxury at fieldsauto.com. All right, now that we are checking in on training camp right now, they're getting doing some drills right now. We're, I think, is it a longer practice today as well? I know yesterday went closer to two plus hours. It looks like this is going to be right at two if I'm reading the schedule okay. right. All right, so another long one for them. We'll see how it goes. John, you're going to answer our questions from the readers because you're so wise, and we, we always like when you can impart some wisdom on well, us. But we'll see what the questions are. What does she right. want from you that she's buttering you up that way? Yeah, I think she has, uh, she has a good eye for talent. <laughs> All right, our first question is from Chris. He says, what happens when you add an elite receiver to a top 10 offense asking for a friend? Well, everything. Um it's there's, all better. Everything is good. There's really three things on this, I think. One is you get the plays that you get from the guy, which sounds sort of self-evident, but you get special that maybe you wouldn't have gotten if somebody normal had been there. I would expect Calvin Ridley, who I expect to be the one, obviously, uh, w- once a month at least, and anything about that, that's every four games, and it could be a big difference, to make some kind of play where you go, whoa. I, I haven't seen that around here in a long time. Well, think about what that does. It gives you seven points in that game, probably. Big difference in the NFL. So I think it gives you that. It also forces defenses to account for them, which obviously makes everybody else better, which is a real thing. But the biggest thing I think a, a top 10 elite guy gives you is for the quarterback, you know how a defense has to play a top 10 guy. So it means that you can throw to him when he is open and you know when he is doubled that you have easy reads for the rest. So I think it gives the quarterback a much clearer idea of what he's going to do on each play, which for a young guy, and Trevor's going to be great, but he's still young, having a comfort when you're back in the pocket can be everything. So I think he's going to help immeasurably and just intuitively on third and six, having a guy where you know he's going to be and you go back there and you're under a blitz and you just throw it. That's very, that's grade school analysis, but I think just instinctively that's going to help him. From a technical perspective, he gives you spacing, which is how modern offenses are constructed. They're trying to get their playmakers in open space in one-on-one matchups and let their athleticism take over. That's what he gives you, not just for himself, right? But when you've got him, as John alluded to, and the coverage is rolled, then there's spacing for Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, Travis Etienne out of the backfield. He allows you to space a defense out and create one-on-one matchups. And very quickly, just thinking about what we saw yesterday in the field, how hard Tyson Campbell had to work to cover him four so plays. So hard. Can you imagine having to do it the whole game? Exactly. So it gives you that. It gives you this feeling of uh, he's coming at me every you know, Everybody on the defense, we have to worry about this guy all the time. All the time. A little bit like when the Jags were trying to play the Chiefs last year with Kelsey. 
a guy you've got to worry about or you are going to lose. And, and that's a great analogy because Tyreek Hill was the ultimate spacer. Yes. You were Somebody so concerned about it. where he was that Travis Kelsey had no problem finding his room in the field. Same thing with all the other receivers they've had there. That's what Ridley gives you. All right, let's get some more advice from John while we can. We've got a question from Steve in Nashville. He said, last year the Jaguars claimed five players off waivers on cutdown day. Is it possible that the players for all 53 of the final roster spots are currently on this team? Uh, you know, the question veers in the right way, meaning there's going to be less angst at cutdown day for this team. And I think you will see less bottom-of-the-roster churn I don't think it's realistic to think all 53 are here because usually during that cut down, you're going to lose something. You're going to want some special teams guy you've seen. So maybe one, but I don't – clearly the roster is better and these coaches know more about these guys. They've brought back guys they like. Won't be as many, but it won't be zero. This roster is as good as it's been in a long time. Um, I would think if there was a shot ever to get all 53, this is the year. You know, we were talking earlier about all the young defensive backs. I mean, those are guys who, from a special team's perspective, these guys are going to build around. Um, I'll throw it out there. I say they don't go roller, uh, roster trolling unless there's this high-profile uh, pass rusher that everybody wants to get their hands on. I say the 53 are here for the first it, time maybe in franchise history. There's always history. that temptation, though. The GM or a scout, yeah. there's always some guy out there going, I liked him a year ago. So Maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a chance. There's always a chance. And by I think, the way, that might only be one week, right? It might be. I think there's also something to be said. I think this roster in certain position groups, too, there might be a lot of people from this team that don't make the roster here that may end up on a roster somewhere else. Especially on the O-line. I think uh, the O-line is deep with guys who are going to go play somewhere else. It may not be the best offensive line in football, but it might be the deepest group of offensive linemen. You go look at other training camp rosters and find me 10 guys that you can plug and play that can go from left to right, inside, outside, like this group. I had one coach that I was talking to the other day said, it's rare that you've got guys like that. There may be a lot of other teams that have superstar players that this team may lack, but one to 10, this might be the deepest group in the league. All right, our last question is also from Steve. He's writing in, he says, when Antonio Johnson was drafted, there was talk of him being a slot cornerback. I feel like a lot of experience is needed for that position. What do you think? Um, yeah, I don't worry about his experience in that. And I sort of left this out of what we talked about earlier with him. I don't think it's experience that's going to hurt Antonio's uh, chances to play. I just don't know if he's a slot corner in that sense that people think. You know, if, if you look at him and Trey Herndon, Trey Herndon's a cornerback. And I, I think it's, it's harder than people think to go from safety and then go play the guys that you would be covering in the slot at, as a, quote, nickel corner. There's a reason guys play different positions in those places. So uh, experience-wise, if the guy can play, he can play, and you throw him out there. But it, I don't think it'll be experience as much as maybe the skill set doesn't quite match up with what people think. You know, 15, 16 years ago, we, we had a cornerback group here with Rasheen Mathis and Brian Williams, and we had a nickel corner named Terry Cousin, who they drafted, didn't draft, they signed him specifically to deal with the Colts and the threats that the Colts perceived. And Terry was an excellent, maybe the best nickel corner we've ever had here in Jacksonville. And I asked him once, what does it take? What's the difference? He said, you have to have a mindset of being comfortable in the middle of the field at all times because it's much more congested. True, you're on an island outside, 
right? Where you're going to be embarrassed at times by the way this thing goes, and you have to forget and move on. But in the middle of the field, there's so much happening. You either are comfortable with it or you're not. And if Antonio Johnson hasn't become comfortable with it by this point, he might not ever get comfortable. Well, I think he can be comfortable in there. I just, I don't know if he's that pure cover guy in the NFL. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Cornerback yeah. experience to, to, uh, to play nickel corner seems to me would matter. I could be dead wrong. I haven't seen it on the field yet. It's just sort of what I would I, I would expect. There's a big difference between being the nickel corner and being a safety. And his role is yet to be defined, so we will see going forward where he ends up playing. All right, stay with us. We'll talk about what we've got coming up the rest of the week, who's talking today, and what you have to look forward to. Jags fans, do you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home? You can check out ZipChair.com to rouse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. So we've got padded practice is back, came back on Tuesday. We've got the stadium scrimmage on Saturday. And Calvin Ridley speaking after practice today. What are you guys working on? What are you looking forward to? What are you expecting over the weekend? I'm starting to get ready for uh, next Saturday's broadcast uh, in Dallas. Um, our first Bucky preseason Brooks, game. Our first preseason game, right? Which means I'm spending a lot of time with the second and third teams. Not as much with the starters because they're not going to play as much. And you really have to, to know these guys. So really digging in on the backups. I'm looking forward to Calvin talking today. I always enjoy uh, the confidence he brings. Interesting early in, in camp and in talking to Josh Allen about Calvin when he called him a dog and said, look, this guy's the real deal. Josh was watching Calvin's first press conference back, uh, what, in the middle of OTAs. And uh, Josh wasn't here. And he said, I loved his attitude. It, it spoke to what I was wanting to do. Uh, he's a guy that you wouldn't think, necessarily think of as a leader. But I think in the locker room, he is a leader, you know, you know because he just got here. But I think he, I think he can set the tone for a lot of things in his locker room in terms of his confidence. He's a natural leader. He's the guy that people just want to follow because they want to be around him. And multiple players we've heard from so far to comment on how he practices, making mm-hmm. them want to practice like that. Yeah, I think in that way. So, And every defensive back who lines up against him practices really hard. You have to because you want to get embarrassed. And, well, and, and lots of good guys have been already in camp. Absolutely. All right. Well, keep an eye on everything. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll see you soon.